Welcome to Ask the Expert with noted radio host Steve Sleeper. Each week, Steve interviews entrepreneurs and professionals and shares their intriguing stories of success and service. Now, here's radio veteran Steve Sleeper. Our guest today is personal injury attorney Richard Sutton from the Sutton Law Group in Albuquerque. As a New Mexico native, attorney Sutton believes a community is built when others are willing to extend a helping hand to those in need. I began by asking Richard about himself and his firm. As of Cinco de Mayo a couple of days ago, I've been in practice 23 years. I uh, focus uh, entirely on a personal injury or some people call it bodily injury claims. The bulk of those arise from motor vehicle collisions, although there are others that involve slip and fall, trip and fall, uh, dog bites. That's primarily our practice area and, and, and always has been. And we take a lot of pride in helping those that have been wronged by others. Okay, so let's say I've been in a car accident. Do I need an, an attorney for that? You almost always do, and I wouldn't say always, because there are times where you can, uh, by a great chance, uh, get a, um, an insurance adjuster that acts reasonably and provides uh, an offer of a fair sum of money to provide reasonable compensation for what an injured person has gone through through no fault of their own. The reason I have a job and so many other uh, attorneys that work in a similar field is because as a general proposition, insurance adjusters aren't fair to individuals injured in automobile accidents and other types of uh, injury related claims. So rarely does someone come out of a, uh, an injury claim uh, with fair compensation absent uh, representation by a competent lawyer. What do I have to pay to uh, engage a personal injury lawyer? So all the personal injury attorneys that I'm aware of in New Mexico and in uh, other surrounding states uh, provide representation on a contingent basis. And that simply is uh, if we do not get a recovery of money uh, for the client, the client does not owe us any money whatsoever. The contingencies are generally based on a percentage, the uh, common percentage uh, is one third. There are some attorneys that charge less than that, and some that charge more than that, but the standard is usually somewhere between 25 and 45%. And the most common, uh, in my experience, has been uh, 33 and a third percent of what are the gross amounts collected are. For an example, the minimum limits of liability insurance coverage that each person in the state of New Mexico is required to carry on each vehicle operated on a public roadway is $25,000 per person uh, per accident. Um, And then uh, if you had a contingency fee of one third, uh, that essentially breaks down to 8,333.33 for the attorney. Okay, so let's let's go back to my car accident um, example that I was using before. Uh, somebody runs into me. Are there some things I should 
do after I've been in an accident, some things I should keep in mind? The challenge with that is that um, so few people know the things they should be looking out for and doing and not doing uh, immediately following a motor vehicle accident while still at the scene that uh, something like this, uh, getting the word out to individuals and and informing the public uh, is is so important. And so the the things that, that an individual should keep in mind if they're involved in a motor vehicle accident, whether they're at fault Uh, partially at fault or entirely not at fault, you should do some of the following. Uh, First and foremost, uh, do not speak with anyone at the scene in regard to what you did or did not do, because it could potentially jeopardize uh, your position in regard to a potential bodily injury claim, or even getting your property damage repaired by the uh, other driver or drivers involved in the collision. Uh, you oftentimes will have a police officer or a police service aide uh, come to the scene um, because either the one of one of the drivers or even a um, passerby uh, may call nine one one or a non emergency police number. Obviously, if the officer asks you uh, questions, you need to be truthful and, and answer. Uh, their questions, uh, but I wouldn't recommend speaking with anyone, anyone else at the scene other than getting the name and contact information for any potential witnesses. Oftentimes, there's people that are either involved in the accident um, uh, or that st- stick around the scene. Uh, it's very important to get their contact uh, names and numbers so that uh, they can uh, provide uh, substantiation of the facts surrounding the collision, uh, if need be. Uh, if uh, you know, almost everyone I- anymore seems like uh, has a smartphone with a camera on it, uh, taking pictures of the the scene as well as the vehicles involved uh, is always important, especially as it relates to where the vehicles have been damaged. Those can be helpful in an accident reconstruction uh, if one is needed. Those are the primary things that are important. Obviously, you need to uh, to exchange your uh, information with the other drivers involved, whether there's a police officer there or there's not. Uh, I uh, have always thought that it's best that uh, information about the other drivers involved in the collision and their insurance carriers uh, should be exchanged before the police uh, even arrive. But the reason I say that is because uh, oftentimes, police officers, despite their obligation to protect and serve, they, they, they forget the, la- the latter, and it's a kind of a disservice when the police officer arriving at the scene, obtaining all the information from all the drivers involved, does not exchange that information with the drivers, and they have to wait sometimes up to two weeks for a police report to be available where the person that was not at fault can obtain the name and uh, insurance company policy number uh, to make a claim. So uh, as an example, an individual's involved in a motor vehicle collision, it uh, disables their vehicle. It has to be towed from the scene. Oftentimes the individual doesn't even know where it gets towed to until the police report is available uh, and then they can go get their vehicle. 
but they now have incurred not only a, a towing fee, but storage uh, for that vehicle on a per day basis. How do they get around for, for two weeks while they're waiting for the police report to be available so they know who to contact to get their uh, property damage paid for, maybe get a rental car from the at-fault party's insurance carrier? Uh, oftentimes, people don't carry rental car coverage on their own, their own policy to, to just save a few bucks, and they're essentially without a car for two weeks. So those are some of the, the, the highlights of what I would recommend uh, everyone consider when they get into a motor vehicle collision. So what do I do if an insurance adjuster calls me, the, the other guy's insurance adjuster? That's, that's actually a really good question. And, and, I, and I say it's a good question because oftentimes um, people don't appreciate how best to answer uh, questions from insurance adjuster and almost always the insurance adjuster uh, is interested in somehow getting a person in a, in a corner asking questions and uh, suggesting maybe comparative fault when maybe there, there really isn't a basis for comparative fault. Uh, what I would recommend individuals do is not speak with the adverse parties, uh, insurance adjuster, before speaking with an attorney. Uh, we, as a, as, a, as a general proposition, uh, never give recorded statements to the uh, at-fault party's insurance adjuster. Now, you generally have a contractual obligation to give your own insurance carrier um, adjuster um, a recorded statement. That's a contractual obligation under most uh, insurance policies. And that's whether you're making a claim with your own insurance or you're not. Uh, you still have that contractual obligation. And as a general proposition, only in matters of alleged comparative fault um, do we ever allow our clients to give statements to insurance adjusters for the, for the other party's insurance company. As we record this podcast, we're a couple of months into the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, are you... Are you open right now, and, and how, how are you able to meet with clients? Let me start by telling you I, I've had this uh, or a similar discussion with uh, several different attorneys that handle uh, bodily injury uh, claims about how this um, situation we're in has impacted their practice, and, uh, and I will tell you how it's impacted theirs and mine. It's, it's the same. Uh, we are obtaining much fewer uh, new clients. Uh, there's a, probably a variety of reasons for that. Uh, one may be they just are, are timid about um, meeting in person uh, for, for fear of uh, maybe contracting the virus or exposing them or their loved ones to the virus. Um, there, uh, there's another explanation, I think, um, and that is that uh, there's just a lot less cars on the roadways and there's a lot less motor vehicle collisions. And so the, the, the clients that need representation, uh, they're, they're not out there. But uh, to answer your question more succinctly, uh, we are open. We've been uh, asked to, to work from home. Next uh, Thursday will be our uh, eighth week working from home. We're fortunate in that we have a um, 
fairly high tech um, office in the first place. We run a wire, a, a paperless office. We uh, try to uh, meet one day a week at the office physically. Uh, and we uh, check mail, we uh, write checks, we distribute uh, settlement monies to clients. And uh, we have met with uh, some new clients. Uh, I think in the eight weeks, we've probably taken in about eight new cases. That's down uh, uh, 75%. Uh, from our uh, from our our usual pre COVID nineteen status, and I've uh, the discussions I've had with other attorneys is essentially the same. Uh, a lot of the uh, big advertising personal injury attorneys are uh, putting their money, uh, their advertising money into new commercials, indicating how they can uh, represent you without uh, ever seeing you. It's all. Uh, video conferencing and emails and faxes and texts. And that's accurate. Uh, we can, we don't need to meet with you personally, but uh, what I've done is uh, met uh, all those new clients uh, since the COVID-19 uh, outbreak. I've met them all personally, but I do so uh, sitting on one end of the conference table and allowing them or their family to sit at the other end of the conference table. And uh, we uh, actually email uh, all the requisite documents that they can uh, execute uh, online and send back uh, online uh, via email. Do you see the 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 situation in at least in on the local level in Albuquerque delaying claims? I would suspect that would have been the case. Uh, they would have taken advantage of this. I want to say that they. I'm referring to insurance adjusters. We take advantage of this uh, to stockpile their their money in their coffers and uh, and delay paying claims, and and, and I haven't seen that. And in my conversations with other trial attorneys, uh, the cases are moving along quite well still, and still still settling cases, still getting cases resolved. Um, it has uh, slowed down considerably uh, the court system. Uh, they're limiting. Uh, a litigant's ability to personally appear in court. Uh, so that certainly does slow things down. And um, we have had some uh, telephonic and, uh, and some video conferencing uh, hearings, uh, but that's the exception rather than the rule. Richard, this has been uh, really good information. Thanks for being on the, uh, on the Ask the Expert podcast. Well, it's been my pleasure to be with you. Thanks for listening to Ask the Expert with Steve Sleeper. Join us next time as entrepreneurs and professionals share their intriguing stories of success and service.